Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the coffee space today. Like, if you've ever thought about opening your own coffee shop, this is the episode for you. I promise you, like you will not walk away not understanding more about how to do it, who to call, right, to get it done. And on the podcast today is Andrew and Claire Bowen. They're both with us. It's so cool. And it's so great to have you guys on the podcast. Hi, Justin. Lovely to meet you. And thanks for having us on. I'm so glad you all are here. I was excited about this one for so many reasons, um, because it's a space I think has is ripe for growth. And it, I, I'm really curious to learn. And I, I didn't read your book ahead of time because I wanted to understand it first from you and then dive in deep and so our audience can really get the most out of our conversation today. For those that don't know Andrew and Claire, they are experts around like coffee shops. They're cafe coaches. They have this really actually best-selling book. Okay. It's got amazing reviews on Amazon. It's called The Daily Grind, How to Open and Run a Coffee Shop That Makes Money. Important, the last three words. Um, and we're going to unpack all of that today. So um, but let me stop talking and let me ask you, Andrew and Claire, how did you guys start? Like, Where did all this begin for you all? And how did you get into this business? Well, um, as you've probably gathered, we're, uh, we're a double act. We're married. And, um, and uh, we... We started off because Andrew was working away. Um, he went away on a Monday morning and came back on a Friday. We got used to him being away. Then he came home. We got used to him being home. And then he went away. Um, and our next move was to move to another country. I was uh, a midwife. And um, Andrew came home from a trip away um, and said, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm missing the children grow up. And he said, I really, really want to jump and start our own business. So we we talked about it and we both agreed that coffee was going to be that business. So we jumped. We handed our notice in on the same day. Some people wow. said no we were brave. Oh Some God. people said we were stupid, but um, we did it. We had faith and um, we jumped and started our own business. Yeah. We we initially started as franchisees um, because we, need, we thought we needed... Um, support. I came from a background, a resale background. I was a, one, of the large, one of the largest retailers in Europe I worked work for. Um, so I, I fancied that corporate stuff, but we found a small uh, franchise, and we'll talk to you about that in a minute if later on, I think, but um, about one of the sort of things we regret, and that might be one of them. Wow, um, and, okay. Uh, yeah, so we, we effectively had a midlife crisis and, um, you know, started off uh, in coffee. Okay, why coffee? Well, I worked in before I went abroad. Before I went worked in Central Europe. Uh, I worked a lot of time in London, and the coffee scene was just starting. It's just if you cast your mind back uh, to two thousand and sort of five, just over the two thousands, the coffee scene in 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 London was just beginning to bubble up. Starbucks had come in; um, they were opening up all over the place. I was running a, a retail sort of business, but had no office space. So I did all my recruitment in a coffee shop and suddenly I got hooked. I've always been a great coffee fan anyway. Sure. Um, and then it was, it was because of the hospitality bit, because it was like a, such a space. And I started reading some of the sort of um, stuff from, you know, Starbucks, uh, Schultz's book and all that sort of stuff. And I got, got to understand it was it's just more than coffee. It was, it was a place for people to sort of uh, come and do lots of things, not just drink coffee. So totally. 
and we didn't want to run a pub. That's the other thing. We didn't really want to. <laughs> I was going to say want, other yeah. option would be pub, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, we, we quite like the idea of having some time off in the evening, and at the time, uh, coffee shops was a day a day um, sure. business. Wow, yeah. I can imagine. You mentioned that you jumped in uh, as a franchise operator. I'll call it. Um, why? And then why was that maybe not the best move? Ooh. <laughs> well, when we started, uh, we opened, um, we uh, we took over our first um, coffee shop in January 07. And at the time, as Andrew's already alluded to, um, the coffee scene was, was in London. And we live in Oxford, and it hadn't quite come out into the sticks, if you like. Um, so we decided... Uh, we'd go with um, a franchise because we thought, oh, Andrew thought they'd know what they were doing. They could guide us because we had no no experience of coffee. We had experience of hosp- of um, retail. retail, and I well, I was a people person as a midwife and a nurse, um, but we had no experience of running a coffee shop. So that's why we we chose that route. Yeah, and I think um, when we looked around, there were some big franchises and there were some little franchises, and we went for the smaller franchise, one of the originals, actually. But the biggest mistake we made, we were we were worried, really. We needed some help. We wanted to get some traction going quickly, and they had everything. Um, but the biggest mistake we made, really, is the fact we ignored our advisors. So we we, we employed... Yeah, I know. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> we can see, uh, yeah. for those listening, like we can actually see each other. So yeah. <laughs> I get to make the faces and we, react. We, we did everything right. We did everything 100% right. We, I took on this one of the top franchise um, lawyers in the UK. He researched uh, all our business, sorted out the contracts, changed this, that, and the other. But ultimately, he said, listen, he rang me up and, and said, I got a real concern about this franchisor that you're um, going to sign up with. And. For whatever reason, we said, well, actually, we know they're a little bit, you know, but we didn't realize quite how bad they were. And Got that, it. That was, that was our big mistake. It really. was our head and our heart. Yeah. Oh. And so you we, opened... We, we, you open in Oxford, though. That's where the franchise was. Well, we we started off. That's another mistake we made. We opened in um we opened in a place called Maidenhead, which is about an hour yeah. away. Now, hour an hour to me was no no distance because I was used to traveling four or five hours on a plane every day. But actually, right. on a daily daily basis, to going back and forth to a, your first shop one hour away, over an hour away with traffic, just added an extra time to the day. Um, so that was another another issue we made. Um, oh, okay, so you. So it sounds like the business was not doing well and you didn't know necessarily about that. Um, and the location, London, it's big. Oxford, by the way, I went to school at Worcester College in Oxford for like oh, almost right. a year um, when I was in college. But we had a shop just down the road oh, from there. I, we'll, we'll talk about You'll that after it. the interview yeah. today. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and so, so then what? Like, did it come to a head and things blow up or you just said, you know, we need to move on or had, talk about that transition. Well, we were, we were going really well. We had our second site within three months and then we had our third site within 18 months of starting. And it was all going really, really, really well um, until we had a, a phone call from the Milkman. Yeah. So the milkman, rang, the, the milkman rang us up and said, oh, your franchise, you know your franchise, it's eight, 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 nine o'clock on a Friday night. He said, we're not delivering tomorrow because Coffee Republic had gone into, into administration oh boy. and um, we're not, we, you know, they owe us a lot of money. So you're not having any milk or any supplies tomorrow. 
Oh my gosh. And that's how, right. that's the you, first you can't have coffee it. without milk, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that, that was the thing. We, we were doing amazingly well. When we took over the site, um, we sort of uh, quadrupled sales wow. within, a, within like a month. Amazing. Um, okay, so let's, let's dive there for a minute. So why? Like, what did you do different? It was an existing site. What did you guys do different? Or was it just having the, the right tools, I'll call it? Or what, what, what made it grow so quickly? Well, we, we were very enthusiastic and uh, we were both in there and we were both working really, really hard. I think the person we took over from had um, had lost that love of the business. Sure. Uh, and together we, we, we worked really well together and um, uh, and we built it up, didn't we? Yeah, it was it was a combination of lots of little things. When you take over a business, it was that we could I could see from a retail perspective because I, I came from a retail background. So the first thing, and I'd spent all my life improving um sort of uh, the Six Sigma stuff, you know, the yeah, getting sure. Process you know, moving it forward by Absolutely. processes, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. So we did a lot of that. Um and we got, you know, the the, the biggest um uh problem with sales in a coffee shop is just getting people through the process, through right. the door. Get them often in the door. Coff- right. <laughs> exactly. Well you see a coffee shop often with a with a big queue and you think they're successful. Actually, no, they're just slow. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, I don't like um, waiting in line either. <laughs> exactly. So that that was one of the things we sort of cut the speed of service. We put stock on the shelves. We we, you know, gave the gave the team some sort of reason to come in and smile, and and we were there as owners as well. And the demand was out outside was there anyway. So we, we just people had just got fed up with not getting great service in that place. Sure, I can imagine. Okay, so the milkman says, "Hey, I'm not delivering tomorrow. Uh, the company's not paying its bills." And for those that don't understand, the the franchise owner may not be paying the suppliers and those payments often come from a corporate office necessary you know that that's actually fulfilling for the franchise operator and provides it as a service okay so what did you do so how do you go okay can we pay you for the milk i mean like what did how did you resolve that well to be honest with you, um, I pride myself on I paid every bill on time. I had good credit rating uh, with the, all our suppliers. I had a contact that I could ring up and speak to personally. And I spent um, the next week ringing around every supplier um, that we we had and talking to them and say, you know us, you know we'll pay, we'll pay our bills. And thankfully, they all took um, a, a chance on us and they said, OK, let's do it. And we, we set up all our own ac- accounts. We yeah. spoke to our landlords because we were subtenants of sure. the franchise also. Therefore, we, were, we didn't have a, a premises to, <laughs> right. to yeah. work from. Um, but we, we, we charmed. We went on a charming incentive and we charmed our, all our um landlords and they they agreed to take us, us on as our yeah it cost us a fortune you know yeah because right. you know i'm sure we had to not only did these um, the milkman in particular put the price up with the milk 25 percent because oh. we he'd, he's, he's well we'll supply you but you're not getting the corporate rate anymore um and then of course we had to renegotiate we had to then because our our the because the landlord because the the, the head t- tenant went bust technically the lease became null and void that was part of the lease thing so oh, lease, i see we, we so you had to release that from and we had to renegotiate and all oh. those costs stamp duty tax all the other things we just paid right. 18 months previous or two years previous we had to repay again so you know it's it, it was um 
humbling and very expensive and sure. it really put the end to our sort of uh expansion plans so you had three locations so uh, and you go through all of that so then what well we should have taken advice again from the um from my trusted advisor because he said at, at this time we can probably um uh, we've got a good case to get you out of the franchise but again we were again rebranding all that sort of stuff just didn't have enough cash in truth so we sure. we the franchise was taken over um and it and it carried on and we carried on um but then after a while we then left the franchise we agree agreed to mutual mutual break we then left and set up our own business uh we rebranded it and did our own thing and co- and we call ourselves jar run Co. For, so for the last sort of 10 years of our coffee business we we ran it as an independent uh wow. small independent chain so cool and then did you go to new locations or how did you decide like where to go and when what to build well, that's the, that was the problem because we'd effectively used all our line of credit, and it was two thousand and nine, and the the, the um, sort of uh, a big recession, the big, the big crash. Sure. So all that, or all sort of, it all ca- sort of came together, and we were sort of really cash strapped uh, for a lot of, for a lot of it. So we weren't really able. The bank stopped lending to, to hospitality over sure. here. Um, so although we had you know a business too in one point five million pound a week, uh, sorry, a, a year. Um, you know, employing 30-odd people, uh, generating good profit. They just weren't interested. Um, Okay, so fast forward a bit. So um, talk about kind of where you took that and uh, after you did your own thing and and how you're coaching others and whatnot now. Well, we we, we were still still running our day jobs, if you like. Sure. Running our (laughs) our, our coffee shops. And um, we decided that so many people were asking for our advice. Um, they not just uh, other coffee shops. There was different businesses. They were saying, "Well, what would you do with this? What would you do with that?" And um, we, we we were chatting about it over a meal, and we said, "Well, why don't we put it down on paper? Why don't we write a book?" So that's what we did. So we set ourselves a goal uh, of six months to write the daily grind. Sure. Uh, and we wrote it together. But you can't write together in the same room. Right? No, so, uh, I know. <laughs> and Andrew, Andrew would get up at um, five o'clock in the morning and do two hours writing, and then go to work, and then go to right. work. Uh, and you, would and write then I, later. I would, I would take over at seven o'clock, and I'd do two hours of writing, and then I'd go to work. Uh, and um, it, it worked, and within um, uh, six six months, it was published. That's yeah. amazing. Um, we're going to talk about that and d- dive deep into that in just a moment. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure for our audience, not everyone may know the industry, right? They might know Starbucks. And I actually have seen many interesting and cool boutique uh, coffee shops opening and becoming really locations where people love to go study and work and spend time and do interviews and whatnot. Talk about how you've seen, I'll call it the industry, but you know uh, how, has, how have things shifted over time since you've been involved with it? Uh, I think that Starbucks and the Costas have done the world a favour. They've introduced people to proper coffee, um, and now now there's the, which has allowed the independence to come on the back of that and um, refine it even more. So that you know, to, with the provenance and uh, and everything else that goes with it. And I think that the coffee uh, shop as a whole, and with the sort of millennial not drinking now and the 
decline of alcohol. The coffee shop's taken over that place. It, it always was sure. that place. And back in the sort of 1700s, 1800s, it was that place. It was that meeting place. And then the pub and the bar and the dive took over. And now we're going back to the coffee shop. And I think, I think there is still massive amount of growth available in the industry um because i think every community can look after can have a coffee shop the issue we see is that where the old-fashioned diners and the mom and pop cafes have been providing sort of mediocre coffee um people are moving away from that they're not That's right you know the old free the old free refill in the diner <laughs> right um yeah the unlimited coffee that that has still got a place but a lot of people now will don't want that. They want something, you know, that no they doubt. can taste and they can, yeah, the mouthfeel and the texture and all that. And sort they're of willing stuff. to pay for it, right? I mean, this isn't. Well, they are, yeah. A, they a, are, absolutely. absolutely. Um, okay, so you wrote the book, which is super helpful. You guys need to check this out. It's on Amazon, other places. The Daily Grind, How to Open and Run a Coffee Shop That Makes Money. Um, so we'll talk about a couple of the key chapters here. And, um, and, and, you know, I bet we have some listeners going, man, you know, I have thought about always doing my own thing and I could open a coffee shop. That's, that sounds really appealing. I like to go and sit and all of that. And I like the ones I go to, but, um, you say, don't read, don't open to a coffee shop until you read your book. Um, let's talk about the first thing, which is selecting the right location. How did you guys decide? And then how, what have you seen others do right and wrong when thinking about a location? Well, location is actually um, the biggest chapter in our book. I know. It's the, I it's, it's the, yeah, it's the second chapter in our book. Uh, but before you get to location, you've got to look at the first chapter. We wrote the book in a logical sequence that you you, you can dip in and out. You can write all over it. But it, it's a logical uh, sequence that we thought, I wish we'd done it this way. So you start you start with your why. Why do you want to do it? Um, you know what? What? What's going to make you different? Uh, and then that all that um, sort of helps you make all the decisions as you go along, such as the location. Um, I mean, people don't go very far um, for a coffee, uh, so you've got to have your ideal customers outside of the door. We always say you wouldn't open a vegan restaurant in the middle of a meat market. Right, it's very um, true. <laughs> so your your customers, your ideal, and you can have more than one ideal customer, has got to be there for you to um, serve. So location is is key. In fact, location is one of the opening in the wrong location is one of the biggest mistakes we see. Yeah, I think, um, and there's lots of little nuances with location. One of the things that I had when I came into this industry was a load of experience of opening retail units. And um, I used to see, you know, literally hundreds, I think I opened about 250 retail units myself over the course of my previous career. So without me knowing, I had that inbuilt ability to look at what made a successful location for a, re for a grocery store. So I just moved that on, we sort of started analysing it. So whether it be on the sunny side of the street, whether it be on the same street as the bus stop, you know, small things, right? Yeah, whether there's parking outside, whether you've right. got outside seating. We always used to talk about outside seating being really critical. Now, post COVID, it's even more critical. Totally, totally. Um, you know, having enough seats, really. The size of the place is probably one of the things that people don't consider enough. They they consider that it's a nice location, but actually, if it's not big enough or it's it's all upstairs and nothing downstairs. You know, you're not going to make success of it. The, the sales sure. of your of your of your coffee shop, really, uh, unless you're drive through or, or if you're in a, in a train station or something. Uh, if you're in a standard coffee shop in a in a high street or in a in a mall, then it's how many people can you sit in? Um, you know, how many covers you've got? 
So if you're trying to if you're trying to cover a you know two grand a month rent and a three thousand pound a month wage bill, um, you know having 12, 12 seats um, and turning those over, even you turn those over, you know four times an hour, you're still not going to make enough money. The the metrics right. don't just don't work. Oh they might gosh. work in a in yeah they just might not they might work if you did that as a as an up upscale restaurant charging fifty sixty hundred dollars a head. But when you're charging, you know, five dollars a head, right? And they're, sat, they're, sat there, they're sat there for two hours <laughs> right. on their laptop. It right. just don't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. You start doing the numbers. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's an interesting one. Okay, so then, how, and this isn't necessary. We're not going to. Oh, I'm going to pick a couple of these because we won't have time to go through all the chapters. So okay. I love that you wrote it in that order. Um, one one question I would have though, if I were after location, would be, do I need a franchise operator to be a part of it to help me with like I don't know the equipment, I don't know the like the materials. You know what I mean? Do you need that or not? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you need that kind of infrastructure? I'll call it or backing to help to launch. Well, you need advice from the right person. There's lots of advice out there. There's lots of books out there. There's lots of people giving you advice. But the right advice, if you go to um, a roaster, they'll tell you which, uh, to buy their, their coffee. If you go to a coffee machine manufacturer, they'll tell you uh, to buy their, their equipment. So what we um, value ourselves in is that we've done it. We've got the T-shirt. We've learnt uh, lots of valuable lessons. Uh, and our goal, our aim is to make you succeed. Uh, we we don't have any uh, overriders or anything like that from from giving advice and and advice that we'd give to one coffee shop might be different to another coffee sure. shop because we tailor we tailor everything to the individual and we 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 like individual independent um, coffee shops to start with and we like to get them early enough so that they we catch them before they make the mistake. Yeah. Got it. It, it, go, it actually goes back to the first chapter of the why. So if your why is to be a part of a corporate machine um, and you want that that support and you don't want to choose what goes on the menu or what you sell, yeah, then by all means, become a franchisee. Um, if you want to do something that's got your stamp on it, then you really need to do it yourself. And I would highly recommend you um, spend a bit of time. If you're out from outside the industry, I would highly recommend you work in, in the industry for a, for, for a few months at to least. To understand how it works. To, yeah, to get it's not rocket science, right? Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there to help you. And if you're the right type of person in the first place as well, if you're a hospitality person, there's no point in trying to do this if you don't like talking to people, right? Uh, or totally. managing the team. Um, then you know, it, you you can do it. If we really enjoyed our time um, in in the coffee shop, we saw people grow up. We saw communities you know come together. It was you know we had sort of people meeting in our coffee shop. We had we saw them get married, <laughs> nice. get kids, you know, the kids grow up. It, sure. It's just, it's lovely. It's lovely. One thing you guys talk about is the importance of a team and creating a wow service. Um, and I do think that could be a differentiation. How do you go about thinking about the right people in your past in terms of bringing on the right talent and then creating a right service environment that people walk out and go, man, that was, that was different. I think I think you've got to remember when we're not in the business of selling coffee, we're in the happiness business. Our job is to, is to make few people feel better when they leave than when they came in, uh, and uh, and a lot of people forget that. So um, I I think um, it's really 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 important to have 
a smile, a smile, a happy resting face. So if I was if I was going to employ somebody, I wouldn't necessarily employ them for uh, experience, like they've worked in a coffee shop for ten years, because it, they might not work in the way that I want them to work. But if they've got what we call the hospitality gene, they're eager to to work. That they're, they're eager to smile. They're eager to speak to people. That is the the the, the little bit of something that I look for and Andrew looks for when we employ our team. Mm. And it starts at the top. So it's, it's about the culture of the owner. The, you, you speak to small business owners and the first thing they'll do, a lot of them, the ones that are struggling, they'll moan about their team. They'll moan about somebody <laughs> not coming in. They'll moan, oh, no, they're rubbish. Right. Uh, oh, they're terrible. <laughs> I can't get people. Oh, are you having trouble getting people? You talk to the people that are successful, you don't get any of that. All you get is the is the praise. Wow, what what a wonderful team I've got! So it starts at the top, and you've got to have you've got to have that right mentality first. And um, it's not like being a parent; it's not like bringing up a family. Because, sure, you know you can't choose your family, but effectively you're a teacher. You're effectively bringing somebody on a college, somebody on in college. You're bringing people through and giving them opportunities, and 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 you know providing for their family. It's a big sure. responsibility being an employer. Yeah, no doubt. I. I... Yeah, and and people that haven't had that experience, I will tell you from all of the entrepreneurs that we've had on this show that that's consistent feedback what you just shared on mm. leading and managing people. Um, other aspects of the book for you all to check out: um, how to decide what products go in your store, how to decide the layout, um, the right equipment, how to run it, how to manage financials, and then how to sell it. When you talk to um, successful. Uh, entrepreneurs that have owned a coffee shop what are the attributes of of those and when you have seen individuals not succeed what are the attributes of those ex those, those examples well i think the successful um coffee shops um have um systems and processes in place um if the owner or the manager doesn't have rules somebody else down the line will make those rules. So you've got to have consistency. Um, you've got to have somebody coming in for their cup of coffee. It's got to be made exactly the same on a Monday as it is on a, right. a Wednesday. Right. It's not when barista A is on, it made one way and barista B another way. So you've got to have rules. You've got to have consistency. Uh, you've got to have recipes that everyone follows so that everyone follows your 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 Bible sort of thing, your 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 story and everything else. Yeah, uh, I that's absolutely right. It's a th it's a, but it is the culture. It's about somebody. So, some the, the successful people start with the end in mind. Yeah, so they know what they're going to do. They don't just open a coffee shop because they want to just, oh, what can I do today? I've had to try a few things. I'll just sure. open a coffee shop. They start with the end in mind. What do they want to achieve? Do they want to just, you know, have a have a business that gives them a lifestyle business that they can work with their family and, and, and enjoy and give themselves a good living? Or do they want to, you know, like we wanted to open and take over the world and have a big chain? <laughs> right. or, or, you know, or, or they, you know, or would they prefer to just work you know, work, uh, work in one shop. So you're just going to be, and, and understand when they, when they want to finish, what adding value at the beginning. So many people start off and they don't consider the value of their business in 15 years down the road. So signing the wrong leases, sure. doing, doing the wrong deals, all those sort of things. We, unfortunately we come across far too many people that they come to us and say, oh, you know, I want to retire or I'm coming to the end of it. And you say, well, what, you know, um, let's have a look at your, let's have a look at your lease. <laughs> let's what have does a look at say? the numbers, right? Can, yeah. Can, yeah. Can, does the lease allow you to sell your business on, or have you got to pay, right. the, the, you know, have you got to pay a premium to the, to the landlord to sell your business or, 
or or what so there's all those sort of things that you need to you know, be aware of so start with the end in mind i think that's that's probably the overriding thing I love it. And you must read some good leadership books. So I heard Simon Sinek earlier, starting with why, now Covey, begin with the end in mind. I mean, you've built in some interesting, really strong leadership aspects to your, mm. your thinking, which I love. Um, gosh, we're, we're close to time here. Um, you've offered some amazing advice uh, for those that may not even know this industry or maybe interested in jumping in. And I, I'm thinking there could be some individuals that, hey, I'd like to explore further. How do they reach out to you? How do they engage with you? How do you typically engage with others that are interested in exploring this with you? Well, we're, we're on Instagram at the, uh, the Coffeepreneurs. That might be a good place to, to start. Um, you can uh, just DM us or, or follow us and see what we're up to. Um, we've got a couple of websites. Um, startupacoffeeshop.com is the place to go if you're interested, if you're at that stage of, of which is our coaching, our coaching club, um, which is if you really, if you're at that stage, you want to start, or if you just want to research the industry, our other website, the cafe success hub.com, um, is where you should go with, with hundreds of articles and videos and, and, and material on there that, you know, we've, we put together over, over, over the years to help people and support people. Cause our main, our objective is to stop people losing their shirt. Sure. Super valuable. Um, so fun meeting you. Uh, excited for this in this space, and I just think there's so much potential for it. And see, for for the locations that are unique and in a, a great place, and then just offering a a, a better value uh, and service. Like I find those. Uh, just super fascinating and seeing a lot of growth from that that part of the industry. And so um, it's got to be a great opportunity for you all. I encourage our listeners to reach out if you're interested. Um, you have all their contact info. Uh, Andrew and Claire, so great having you on the podcast. Uh, love the book. And I will now get to read all of the book um, versus just the chapter. So um, it's been great having you on. You got to come back on down the road and share more stories with us. Brilliant. It's We'd been, love to. Thank yeah. you very much. It's been a pleasure to uh, to meet you. The Contender Cast is powered by Contender Brands and is the top global consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast. You can find additional Contender Cast episodes on worldwide podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. <laughs>